0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: If you're using the Bible in the pews this morning, uh, you'll want to turn to page 657. And you'll also want to put your finger in the page 1139, where we're going to turn to after we've read some verses from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 22 and then Romans 12 beginning with the reading from Proverbs at verse 17. Pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach, for it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips. So that your trust may be in the Lord, I teach you today, even you. Have I not written 30 sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you true and reliable words so that you can give sound answers to him who sent you? Do not exploit the poor because they are poor. And do not crush the needy in court, for the Lord will take up their case and will plunder those who plunder them. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. And then Romans chapter 12, just two verses, verses 18 and 19. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord.
0: Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray for our softened hearts this morning. We know that we're confronting an issue in our hearts that many of us will struggle with. So we pray that you might soften us in the face of your teaching through the scriptures and in the face of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, please do sit down, and if you could be turning uh, back in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22, that's page 657 in the Bible, certainly be starting there in this sermon. Uh, also, amongst the bit, bits of paper you were given on the way in, there was a, uh, there's a handout, so you might use, want to use that uh, to follow along. Now, I wonder if you've ever heard of the, the Wayadoni people, the Wayadoni uh, people live in, in the Ecuadorian jungle, and uh, they have the dubious distinction of having the highest rate of homicide of any society known to anthropology. Some 42% of deaths are caused by Waidoni people killing other Waidoni people, and another 8% of Waidoni are killed by neighboring cultural groups. Those are just extraordinary statistics, aren't they? Just imagine living in that culture. I mean, we might expect or hope to, to die of, uh, of old age, uh, although accident and illness, I guess, are possibilities too. But we might hope to expect to die of old age. But someone born into that culture can equally expect uh, to die from hot headed violence. In other words, this is a whole people group standing as a visible, living example of what happens when hot headed anger is loud, allowed to reign free and unrestrained. So anger, anger, and the deep foolishness of hot-headed anger—that's what the Lord is going to be teaching us about from from the book of Proverbs this morning. Uh, And we can see with people like the word only when there are no restraints at all, we get people uh, who will kill each other on a whim. Now, usually, we get to see the effects of hot-headed anger, anger on a on a more occasional basis, as we're uh, experiencing and seeing. this week in Egypt, or even then it's bad enough. But I want to say this morning that even when we can't see anger, uh, the anger is still there. It's there in all of us. Uh, so there's a writer called Henry Brant, and he begins an article on anger like this. He says, not everyone is an alcoholic, not everyone steals or swears or commits adultery, but everyone, everyone, struggles with anger. It's a universal problem. I've observed it among prim- primitive cannibals, in uh, Ari and jara among illiterate people, in entirely villages deep in the forest of Zaire, among my playmates when I was a child, in my parents, in church members, in pastors, in highly educated people, in the very rich, in people in government, and yes, in myself. Uh, what that means is if I had... Um, something like uh, anger revealing glasses on uh, this morning something like those night vision glasses that people use uh, that show up uh, sources of heat as red or purple now I could put these glasses on and I'd be looking around at at this church family at this congregation gathered this this morning and I would see a building full of angry people I mean you all look quite calm and quiet and civilized uh, you know, for, for the most part, at least. Uh, but in each of us, in each of us, there is some lurking or hidden anger. There might be anger in our families or in our marriages. Uh, anger towards bosses at work. Anger towards God. Uh, anger, perhaps, even now, as I'm accusing you of being angry. But I hope we're going to see this morning and um, the purpose of this material in Proverbs is to keep us from putting our lives at risk and in danger by nurturing and sustaining anger. I want us to see that all that anger can ever do for us is to inflame sin and further foolishness. It puts our relationships with one another in danger. In particular, it puts our relationship with God in danger. And instead of anger, we need to accept that having a long temper is much better than having a short one. That is the wise response, according to Proverbs, to provocation or frustration. Now that's uh, what we're going to see. But those of us who struggle with anger, of course, will know that that is all easier said than done. So I'm going to end this morning with some thoughts on how we can begin to find that kind of godly wisdom uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. But first, I think we'd have to say that the teaching of Proverbs on this subject is actually pretty straightforward. You know, it's not not rocket science. And it goes like this. Don't put your life at risk by being a hothead. And we've heard this already. And this was from Proverbs chapter 22 and verses 24 and 25. That's page 658. These are are one of the sayings of the wise, ways in which uh, the wise help godly to trust in the lord and the advice is this do not make friends with a hot tempered man do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared and uh, perhaps more literally that would go something like this do not associate with someone who has been mastered by anger uh, for whom anger is their lord Do not walk alongside a man of heat, a hot-headed person. Or you may learn his ways and put your life in danger. It is possible to become mastered or consumed by anger, to become people, as uh, Proverbs puts it, of heat. But the wise teaching of Proverbs is calling us away from that path back onto the path of wisdom. Keep well away from such people, keep well away from such an attitude and such behavior. But we should pause at this point and think about where that kind of anger actually comes from in the first place. Well, all foolishness in the book of Proverbs ultimately comes from subverting the order of creation, from reversing how things should be, were made to be. Um, as uh, we're thinking about last week and have already been thinking about uh, this morning, it comes from forgetting that we are not in charge. It comes from forgetting that we are, uh, we're just creatures in God's creation. And here we learn about the origins of humor and anger right at the beginning of the, li- of the Bible. First few chapters of the Bible where Adam's son Cain becomes mastered, overcome by his anger. We learn that th- this is just one way in which uh, the sin of Genesis chapter 3 expresses itself. We rebel against God because we think uh, that we ought to be in charge. And when things don't go our way, that frustration builds up in anger. And that anger can then express itself in violent ways. In Cain's case, that led to him murdering his brother in cold blood. Uh, But I guess this is what we need especially to remember this morning. that Even when anger doesn't express itself in, in physical or verbal violence, the sin behind it is just the same and just as serious. So the hothead in the book of Proverbs is a, uh, a, what you might call a mini-god, a self-styled mini-god, venting his or her fury and frustration when things don't go their way. And of course, what happens when you put multiple people like that, multiple hotheads together, what do you get? Well, you get devastation and destruction and bloodshed. You get it between people within cultures. Uh, You get it between tribes and ethnic groups. Uh, You even get it between whole nations. And the evidence for that is strewn across our news every day and across the violent history of the world. Uh, But the wise teaching from Proverbs is saying to us this morning, don't join in. Be different. Now, you might say, I don't join in. Actually, I don't join in. I've I've never been in a mob. Uh, I've never been in a gang. Uh, I've never even participated in organized forms of violence like rugby. And uh, yes, that's true. But there are, of course, more civilized forms of anger. Uh, Jerry Bridges describes such anger as one of the Respectable sins that we tolerate within Christian, Christian communities we somehow think of them as, as not so bad you know, so we may not throw a punch but we may well throw a carefully chosen harsh comment we may send a bitter email we may grumble, we may gossip no blood gets spilled but the sin behind it is just the same Andrew Cameron is a lecturer in ethics at Moore College in Sydney, and uh, there's a very honest and open section in his book on ethics where he describes his own struggles with anger. Uh, He had, he says, a habit of uncontrolled rage where I'd ardently defend this practice of being just who I am. In the early years of my marriage, my wife would quietly insist that the practice was wrong. Deal with it, I'd arrogantly declare you knew what you were getting. This is who I am. So there was a man who thought that anger was somehow a legitimate part of his personality. Perhaps he even thought it was a kind of legitimate part of his masculinity. But then he was confronted by the evidence, as we're being confronted this morning, that anger can never be a part of a wise and godly personality. But God really expects us to do something without without explaining why. And uh, the reason given over and over again in the book of Proverbs for not being a hothead is simply that anger inflames further sin and foolishness. This is the the next point on the handout. Anger inflames sin and foolishness. Uh, Take Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 22, for example. Uh, I printed it out on the handout, so you might want to look it up. It goes like this. An angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. I think we know this from experience, don't we? The the person of anger stirs up further anger. The person ruled by hot-headed rage stirs up great transgression, uh, not just in other people, but also in themselves. That same idea is repeated across a number of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 32 and 33 puts it like this, for example. If you have played the fool and exalted yourself, or if you planned evil, clap your hand over your mouth, says the Proverbs. Uh, that's, uh, that was a way of uh, expressing self-dismay or, or humility in, in the ancient world, clapping your hand over your mouth. Uh, but here's the, here's the reason. For as churning the milk produces butter, as twisting the nose produces blood, so, stirring up anger produces strife. Anger comes from exalting ourselves, exalting what we want over what other people want or what God wants. And we express uh, our, our anger verbally or physically. We, we set off a chain reaction of further anger. And what's more, anger sets up situations where other things are, sins are much, much more likely. I mean, how many of us have said things or, or done things in the heat of the moment that now we deeply regret? I know that uh, I certainly have. Now, this is how Proverbs works. It, it often works by spelling out the consequences that flow out from certain characteristics, certain character traits. And in the case of the angry person or the hothead, these those consequences are predictably bad: more anger in response, more sin, more occasion for sin. Now, I think we kind of know this, don't we? But we still struggle to believe it. Still, we're very good at coming up with excuses for our anger. So let me say at this point three quick things against the practice of venting our anger. First thing, venting anger doesn't dissipate it. Venting anger doesn't dissipate it. Sometimes we swallow the lie that expressing anger is a good way of getting rid of it. Uh, so you might have seen the film, uh, analyze this as a psychiatrist played by Billy Crystal. He's uh, treating a mafia boss, played by Robert De Niro. I often take my anger out on a cushion or something like that, he says. Uh, there's a cushion nearby as they're talking, so the mafia boss takes out a gun and shoots the cushion repeatedly. until so it's just a cloud of feathers. Yeah, that does feel better, he says. And uh, we're often told that, aren't we? That venting your anger like that will get rid of it, but it's a lie. You know, it might feel good, it might feel good briefly, but if anything, it's giving positive feedback to the feelings of anger in the first place. If If anything, it's feeding our anger, it's not getting rid of it. Second thing, venting anger is poor leadership. It's poor leadership. Sometimes we swallow the lie that a little bit of anger, just a little bit of anger in someone's personality is needed for them to be a strong leader. Without it, we're afraid that our leadership might look weak or ineffectual or indecisive. But again, it's a lie. You'll already know that it's a lie if you've ever had to suffer working under the leadership of an angry person. There's nothing strong about it at all. It's just miserable for everyone involved. Uh, Which is why the qualifications for Christian leaders in the Bible insist upon people who are not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not violent, but rather self-controlled, disciplined, calm. Third thing, and perhaps this is the most important thing, venting anger is a poor way of showing you think something is wrong. It's a poor way of showing you think something is wrong. We sometimes claim, either to ourselves or, or to others, that our anger is a righteous anger. It's a righteous response to some kind of wrongdoing. Now, there is such a thing as righteous anger, and it's a good thing. Righteous anger is one of the ways God expresses his opposition to wickedness. Although, he, as we'll think about it in a moment, he often holds it back or delays it. And it may well be in a certain situation that we are responding to a genuine act of wrongdoing or we are responding to wickedness. You know, she teased me. He went through a red light. That's my donut. Those thoughts flooding through our minds. And there may well be times, more serious times, uh, uh, when our response to wickedness will affect us deeply and emotionally. You know, we should feel upset or dismayed or, or appalled by certain things that we see and experience. And if that's what we mean by righteous anger, then that's a right thing to feel from time to time. However, it's simply not right for us to express those feelings physically or verbally as rage or fury. You see, whatever we may think about ourselves, and this is the problem really, isn't it? We are not God. Our moral compass is just so twisted. Our motives are so twisted. And anyway, it's really simply not our place. So we leave the expression of righteous anger to the expert, to the only expert, the only one who is perfectly just, perfectly patient, and perfectly impartial. So yes, do show that you think something is wrong when you're convinced that it's wrong from the Bibles, but simply say so, calmly, Witness to what God says about it. Testify to the justice of God. But don't fly into a rage, or you're going to have to testify to the wrongness of that too. So, anger just inflames foolishness and sin, which means, of course, that a long temper is always much better than a short one. A long temper is better than a short one. And there are many, many proverbs which express this simple comparison. So, take Proverbs chapter 15 verse 18 for example that's again written out on the handout a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension but a patient man that is one who's slow to anger or long to anger calms a quarrel Uh, we thought about it already in foolish sinful humans anger spreads and multiplies like wildfire what can slow the progress of this terrible thing well one way is by refusing to respond in kind. That is one way in which anger can be stopped in its tracks. That is, says the book of Proverbs, instead of having a short term, have a a long one, like your God, in fact. Remember that the people of God have always known off by heart that the Lord is, quote, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin all of which means that in response to a provocation holding back anger is going to be the wise thing to do so take Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 a man's wisdom gives him patience that is makes him slow to anger it is his glory to overlook an offence the fool responds to an offence with further offence in anger The fool thinks that this will somehow maintain his honor, stop him losing respect. But it will not. It simply makes him just as much a fool as the person who has offended him. The wise person, says Proverbs, overlooks an offense, and it is to his glory. And yet, and yet, and yet, it's so hard to believe, isn't it? Especially in the heat of the moment. Uh, this kind of wisdom for many of us will seem very elusive, very hard to put into practice. How can we deal with anger in real life? We, we, do, we don't want to simply hide it. That would be a disaster, wouldn't it? I think that's what we often just try to do. That, that just simply breeds resentment and bitterness, which are uh, sins in their own right. Do that, and we're still going to reap bad fruits from our anger. It's just going to be further down the line. So in the remainder of our time, let's think through how we can find this kind of wisdom. And I think we're only going to find it uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to begin with a biblical example of someone who found this kind of wisdom. So take Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. Now there was an angry man. He was a man convinced that the followers of Jesus were blaspheming God And that had sent him into what we might call a furious rage. And it's striking, isn't it? He fully believed, he was utterly convinced in his heart that that rage was a righteous rage. i just listened to him reflecting upon it later uh, once he had become the apostle Paul. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 15 and 16. Uh, Very familiar verses to many of us, I think. So here is a trustworthy saying, says Paul that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners Christ Jesus might display his I wonder how you would expect that verse to end. Christ Jesus might display his salvation, his mercy, but no, it's Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience I was shown mercy says Paul so that in me the worst of sinners Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience his holding back of anger as an example of those who would believe on him and receive eternal life now do you see what Paul has done first he's recognized the sin behind his anger he is recognized himself as the worst of sinners in that anger he's recognized the disconnect between what he wanted and was pursuing with furious intent and what god wanted the will of god but then he's recognized and experienced personally the patience of god towards him and it is striking when you think of the subsequent ministry of the apostle paul because he was clearly no longer a a, a violent or vengeful man Despite every provocation from slander, beatings, desertion, illness, shipwreck, the anger was gone. Let's see if we might uh, apply uh, those kind of same principles to to a difficult situation that uh, we might face uh, today. So just for a moment, I want you to imagine yourself in an unexpected traffic jam, it's going to make you late for an important meeting. It's a classic scenario for thinking about the sinfulness of our hearts, who you may have come across before. But I I want to up the stakes a a bit this morning. Uh, Let's suppose, in fact, that it's in the middle of that heat wave. It's fiercely hot, and the air conditioning in your car has just broken. That's annoying in itself. Let's further suppose that there are children in your car. Uh, Perhaps there are even your children uh, All these children you're, you're responsible for. And they are arguing and they are fighting and they are kicking the back of your seat. And, and perhaps there's even a dog barking furiously. And the car behind you is hooting at you for no reason. And uh, your spouse is insisting upon listen, listening to Thought for the Day on the radio. And uh, it's, just, it's just coming to that, that pitch. And I want to I mean, just think about what, what, are, what are your triggers for anger? I want to be quite that situation, I think, for... Obviously, for Joe, it was um, uh, greedy mice. Uh, for me, it's thought for the day. <laughs> Jammed photocopiers, uh, as I was experiencing just this morning. Um, Halfords. Um, <laughs> anything you might buy from Halfords. Uh, yeah, we had, we had a, a bike carrier once from Halfords that was just so amazingly well, never mind. And then, uh, so there's, there are these moments, are there, of, uh, those situations where it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a miracle to keep calm. Very good. So, where can we find a miracle? Well, according to Proverbs, we're only ever going to find it in the wisdom of God, in the fear of the Lord, which for us Chris- as Christians means through faith in Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul discovered, it's going to involve identifying. The sinful motive, and it's going to involve finding and experiencing wisdom in God's patience through Jesus. Let's think ourselves back into that heated moment, back in the, into the traffic jam situation. It's almost impossible, I grant, to reflect theologically in the heat of the moment. So, really, we need to kind of train ourselves in advance for these kinds of situations. And uh, when it, we train ourselves biblically, we will learn that our impulses to anger will always, always, almost, always, almost always be wrong. You know, so I, I, I think about it and I snap at my children, uh, not just because they're being bad, but because I, I think they're going to reflect badly on me. It's much more about me than it is about them. I snap at my wife because I think I genuinely deserve her respect, uh, rather than that being uh, an act of uh, generosity towards me. And at the heart of it all, at the heart of it all is a self-exaltation which pushes God aside and it is deeply, deeply sinful. And of course when we train ourselves biblically we will always have in mind the patience of God shown to us through Jesus Christ. We'll already be thinking the provocations I am now experiencing, they might feel bad but they are nothing, they are nothing compared to our how I have provoked my God. And yet, he has chosen to hold back. He has chosen to love, to forgive, to give me a new identity in Christ that is not self-servingly angry or petulant. Uh, If we're already thinking such things, then there's at least some chance that we will not snap in those heated moments. Andrew Cameron, who I mentioned earlier, talks about going through a war of identity as he struggled with this, between his old hot-headedness and his new identity in Christ. This was over two miserable years as he struggled with his anger, but finally, gloriously, the new identity won out. Now, one last thing to say, and that's to acknowledge that We may suffer suffer provocations uh, to anger that are far more serious than some of the examples I've given already, far more serious than snapping in the middle of a traffic jam. Christians on occasion do have to face raw and brutal wickedness, and I could uh, cite from many recent examples from northern Nigeria, Pakistan, to Indonesia, and uh, thinking about Egypt this last uh, week as well. And at those times, the only place where we're going to find wisdom, uh, the wisdom to not respond with hot-headed anger, is in the justice of God and entrusting ourselves to it wholly. Now listen to Paul again. This is from our second reading from Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 18 and 19. If it is possible, says Paul, as far as it depends upon you, so Paul's being very realistic here, isn't he? If it is possible, live at peace with everyone do not take revenge, my friends, but leave, rooms for God, leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And now, a very famous quote, the Croatian theologian Miroslav Volf says this, he says, imagine speaking to people as I have, whose cities and villages have been first plundered, then burned and leveled to the ground whose daughters and sisters have been raped, whose fathers and brothers have had their throats slit. And we might well imagine. How can such people not respond with anger, with hot-headed physical or verbal anger? And the only real answer is only if they can entrust themselves fully to the justice of God. Only if they can remember that they are just creatures and God is the judge the perfect judge, into whose perfect hands they can entrust themselves. Now, you might uh, already know that one of the acts of violence uh, perpetrated by the Waiadoni people, who I mentioned at the beginning, was back in 1956, uh, when they slaughtered in cold blood five missionaries, uh, one of whom was a young man called Jim Elliot. Now, the story of Jim Elliot is quite an amazing one in itself. Uh, perhaps even more amazing, though, is how the story continued through his wife, Elizabeth Elliot. Now, if I imagine that the story continued like a, a modern movie blockbuster, it would have ended with more violence. Uh, the films we watch, uh, I guess, reflect some of things of our inner desires and fantasies. Meaning that but the story of Elizabeth Elliot would have ended with her, I guess, doing what I, I don't know—stealing a, a helicopter gunship storming into the jungle like some female Bruce Willis, consuming the entire people in a giant fireball. But it didn't end like that. The story ended with her finding an opening to meet the people who had murdered her husband. It ended with her living among them for several years. And it ended with many of them renouncing violence and accepting the gospel of peace. And that is the story of someone who has understood the folly and futility of hot-headed anger. That is the story of someone who has seen the possibilities of patience. Someone who has recognized her own sin and experienced the loving patience of God. And that is the story of someone who has entrusted herself to the justice of God. That is the story of someone who has crucified her anger in Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to confess, first of all, that this is something that we all struggle with. It just flows out from our, our sin against you. Our unwillingness to accept you as our God and creator, our determination to pursue our own will and our own purposes in our own way, and our frustration when those purposes are not met. But we particularly want to pray for those amongst us this morning who uh, are especially suffering and experiencing this issue, where this has become a danger in their own lives and a danger to others. And we pray that you would bring the the, the gospel of peace to bear in their hearts, exposing the sin, exposing our our joy and wonder and experiencing your patience, your patience. And may that patience become our patience. In Jesus' name, amen.